Welcome, welcome, welcome everybody to the Hockey Think Tank podcast brought to you by the HockeyThinkTank.com, a website for all players, parents, and coaches to go to get a little bit of education and a little bit of inspiration regarding the greatest game on the planet. What an episode we have for you guys here today. We have another mailbag episode and we love reaching out to you guys via social media and seeing what you guys want to know. And we get to connect with you and get to answer your guys' questions. And we got a lot of them here today. Uh, before we do get over to your questions, though, let's bring on the talent of the podcast, Jeffrey Lavecchio. Vex, what's up today, dude? Just having a good day, buddy. I got to see a couple junior guys uh, home for Thanksgiving break. So that was pretty fun getting to see them midseason and talk to another one of my guys playing juniors. You know, it's it's so interesting, man. Every Every junior player I talk to, either they're my guys or they're, you know, these kids who call me uh, for my advising calls, literally, they all go through the same things. And it's the same thing you went through. And it's the same things I went through. And it's it's just, it's so interesting. It's It doesn't get any easier, even though they've heard it, you know, from our podcast, from me, from you, whoever, when you're going through it, it's like the weight of the world, you know, like figuring out juniors and you know, losing confidence and all of those types of things whenever we're at whatever level they happen. Yeah, absolutely. If you haven't listened to our podcast on confidence, that I would you say that's one that probably has gotten the most feedback, I guess you can say from just in terms of people reaching out and saying thank you or having other questions and stuff like that. Vex, for me, it was like the biggest one. Dude, yeah, I, yeah, that's that's one of my favorites. I everyone needs it, I think. How do we get it? How do you, uh, I don't know. It's just such an important topic. I, I wish I would, you know, we had uh, Adam Nicholas on the podcast one of the couple times, and I don't know if you guys saw Twitter today, but he like the Canadians put something out of him on Twitter and it was just awesome. <laughs> I retweeted it. Loved human. It. They called him the human caps lock. It was, under, <laughs> I texted him. I was like, Hey, what's up? Human caps lock. <laughs> I love it. I love that guy. If you haven't listened to our episodes with Adam Nicholas, you should definitely listen to them. They're really, really, really good episodes and some of our highest, highest rated, most downloaded, all that type of stuff. But, um, yeah, that was a sick video. He's a beauty. I love it, man. All right. What do you think? Let's uh, hit up the sponsors and then we'll get to the questions. Well, I... Or you got something else. I, ha- I do have one more thing here. I just Ooh. wanted to say that uh, our our beloved producer's uh, daughter absolutely killed it with a three-point weekend. Rookie Hey-o. of the week, not a big deal. Two goals and an assist, not a big deal, Molly. We see what you're doing out there. Congratulations, Molly. Congratulations, Mama Bear, our, our podcast editor here, Steph. She's blushing right now. But uh, big weekend for her fam. We're pretty happy to hear that at the Hockey Hey-o. Podcast. There it is. There it is. I love it, Vax. Nice, nice, uh, nice one. Steph, proud mama, I'm sure. There we go. <laughs> um, okay. So a few people to thank. Thank you to Gel Sticks, as always, our title sponsor. Thank you for all of your support for our podcast from the beginning. And go to GelSticks, G-E-L-S-T-X.com. Use the coupon code THINKTANK, and you will get a discount on your weighted trading sticks or golf clubs or lacrosse sticks. Vex, let's go. Also want to thank Train Heroic, where I house all my online training Platforms, uh, teams, organizations, individuals, littering and littering, littering and, and littering and. <laughs> um, it's where I, where I'm able to train so many people. Videos of everything, uh, demonstrations, videos, coaching, everything, and access to me. I have so many players and uh, organizations and teams online that I'm able to help for super cheap and get them more workouts per week, per month than if they're paying, you know, an actual in-person trainer coming. So it's an option for teams that, that are looking to save some money and have high quality workouts. So thank you to train heroic. Also want to thank uh cured nutrition, my CBD company I'm with CBD helps my brain quite a bit, obviously not on this episode, <laughs> obviously need to take a little bit more of it, but uh, yeah, CBD has been huge for my brain health. Also my recovery from my very intense workouts. If you didn't know, I have an eight pack and CBD helps my recovery. So if you're looking to, uh, to get a little bit healthier, you can try my, my code out GMBM at curednutrition.com. 
You said high quality workouts. The only thing that I could think of high was quality high quality H2O. H2O. <laughs> <laughs> Immediately I went to the water boy. Some high quality H2O. <laughs> um, okay. And thank you to icehockeysystems.com, the best website out there for all coaching education needs. They have thousands of drills. They have whiteboard explanations of systems and concepts and everything in between from some pretty high profile coaches and players out there. Also, we have teamed up with them for an organizational platform where you can get this for every single coach within your association. So hockey directors, this is an unbelievable value add because not only do coaches get access to all of the great things on the site, but also they have the hockey think tank parent survival guide. So you can send that out to all of your parents, which in the end will make your job as hockey director or coach a lot easier because parents will understand the process a little bit more of how we think here at the Hockey Think Tank. So uh, thank you to icehockeysystems.com and thank you to everybody who continues to support our podcast from near and afar. Our numbers keep growing and we just so appreciate uh, all the support. We love you guys. That's why we continue to want to do these mailbag episodes because we want to answer your questions. And so Vex, if you are ready, we can get to the questiones. Let's do it, baby. Okay. Why don't you start? All right. This question comes from a college hockey player. How do you deal with being scratched for the first time in a career as a fifth year and new team? I mean, that's a lot. That's a very specific question, but yeah. How, how would you go? How would you handle that? Being a fifth year on a new team, scratch first game. I would understand what my role is. So it's probably maybe not clear at that point. And I would go in and talk to the coaches and say, what do you want for me? What is my role on this team? And then be the best thing for that. You know, the worst thing that you can do is pout. The worst thing that you can do is feel sorry for yourself or think you made the wrong decision. The best thing that you can do is ask what you can do to get back in the lineup and then do that to the best of your ability. I think that's the most important thing. I agree. And I would look at it the exact same way I would look at any time being scratched. What can I do better? What ask going to coach with a notebook? What do I need to work on in practice so that I can help the team more? You know, all, all those types of things. doesn't matter if it's this situation, another situation. Um, and then every day reflect on, am I doing the things I need to, to be my best self? And if you're not, then start doing those things. Uh, watch a lot of video too. Yes, that is good for sure. And uh, especially in that role too, like if there's somebody that is in the role that you would like to be in or your coach wants you to be in, like find somebody in that role and watch what they do to make themselves successful. Love that. Yeah, love that. So, Tell everybody to do that too. That's a good one. There we go. There we go. Okay, you ready for one? And Vex and I, are we are going through these. This isn't going to be like long drawn out answers on these ones. We're getting through them quick. Vex, you you good? We got a lot of these to get to. Let's we go. got a lot to get to. A lot to get to. Okay, here we go. It is Thanksgiving coming up. We're going to do a fun one here. Jeffrey, what is your favorite Thanksgiving food? Is it turkey soup, turkey sandwich with leftovers? Go. Does it have to be one of those choices or do I get to bring I don't think to so. the table? Oh, okay. Yeah, bring your own to the table, I think. Uh, turkey for you, turkey <laughs> for me. Okay. Uh, Adam Sandler, old school there. Um, <laughs> they are my grandma's mashed potatoes. And grandma's no fake, no fake grandma's mashed potatoes, no aunts, uncles, cousins making grandma's recipe, grandma making grandma's mashed potatoes. I don't know if she's retired from that now or not, but like when she was, when she was whipping those bad Larry's up (laughs) highlight of my day. I also agree. Grandma's mashed potatoes. There is nothing better. You know what? Suck. You, you know are the biggest listening. suck up on the family, and every single one of our cousins, aunts, and uncles would agree with me. So eat it. Hey, I'm I going got, to say I got ring too. It says love. <laughs> I'm going to say grandma's mashed potatoes because they are made with love, not just yummy goodness. But um, I'm a big. I love. It's kind of weird, but like I love to do like corn. And put that in the mashed potatoes and kind of mix it around and then have a little bit of gravy in it. I think just the combination of all that's pretty good. Oh, big. I, I'm a big gravy guy, um, but not on grandma's. Grandma's, 
I, I take those bad boys straight the way <laughs> Nate, the way God intended them. Yeah. Who's the she up. made them. I just take them straight, <laughs> straight to the dome. All right. Twitter, all right. Twitter and Instagram poll for the Scott family only. Who is the biggest suck up in the Scott Lavecchio Barra family? Uh, there's no such thing as suck up. I just love my grandma. All right. <laughs> when should a 2011 start serious off ice training, lifting weights, explosive power speed? I will let you take this one. 2011, it's 2022. So that makes carry the two, carry the seven to the niner. Uh, that makes them 11. I mean, so like, I think that uh, zooming out to 10,000 foot view, I think every child that is that age should all be going to gymnastics. Um, or if not, they should be doing it in PE at school. Um, if you don't have PE in school, you should be going to your school board and shitting a brick and being, why is there not PE in school? If there's one thing we need to be teaching our kids, it's how to physically take care of themselves and be healthy through exercise, diet, nutrition, sleep, all of that stuff. There's nothing more important. So I think that's a joke. And if that's not happening, go do that. Um, but anyways, yeah, gymnastics once a week. I mean, he could start now. There's that old study uh, that people reference all the time, all oh, little kids shouldn't lift weights, uh, false. That was based off of a study in a Chinese warehouse in like the 70s or something, um, Ch- Chinese child warehouse workers. So that's not, that's not um, an actual thing. However, I think that they should be working on things that you work on in gymnastics, body control, proprioception, balance, uh, owning your own body weight, uh, core strength, um, foot strength, things like that. So I say gymnastics class once a week and then play other sports. If you want to get a trainer and have the kids work out with them, make sure it's somebody who knows and understands LTAD, long-term athletic development, go TOEF. I don't like, I don't know if I have a better answer than what you did. This is your area. And so I do not want to taint any of what you just said, because I, and also I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, make them an athlete. That's the most important thing. It's not making them a hockey player or her it's make them an athlete. I think that's, that's the biggest thing. Agreed. Yep. Agreed. Okay. Here we go. My turn. <laughs> You're an office guy, right? Uh, duh. My, my, my turn, my, my turn. <laughs> do you know which episode that was do you remember no i don't but I was, i've watched it it's one of the best episodes ever and it's the christmas episode where they do the dinner party at michael and jan's house and they're playing um oh, charades so tough, so tough. <laughs> so tough. <laughs> okay uh my next question you could be the gm of any nhl team for a year who do you choose go i mean i would just do st louis because i love st louis um, no, no other reason. That's the only reason. And Jeff knows nothing about NHL hockey either. So no, like don't, that's, that's not, I'd rather be the assistant coach. If I'm being honest, I'd rather be out there with the boys and battling and playing, you know, three on three after and working on the little details. That's way more me like in, in the daily grind. I don't, I don't really want to be uh, up in the press press box. That wouldn't be me. Gotcha. So I'd be St. Louis just because I would want to help the city. How about you? <laughs> um, I think I would love to be the GM of the Blackhawks being from Chicago and they're kind of going through a rebuild right now. And so it would be a lot of fun to put your kind of stamp onto things. I think they have a lot of really good people. I know a lot of people there and they have a lot of really good people in their organization too. And so just really unique opportunity to kind of build it back up from where it was. Um They've obviously had a couple tough years as of late. So I would have to go with the Blackhawks. Have okay. a big effect on that one. Good okay, question. I respect that. I respect that. Moving on. What would be your advice on finding a career in the hockey world after your playing days are over? That's a good question. It's one that we get quite a bit. Um, I would say there is a huge aspect of getting to work in hockey based on who you know. And so the more you reach out to people and build relationships, the more people are going to learn who you are, the more people who are going to trust who you are, the more people who are going to be in your network. So when a job comes up, they can call X, Y, or Z person and vouch for you. Um, So I would get into networking as quickly as you can. I would put yourself out there, email people, um, call people, like everybody that you know, find out what jobs are available. Um, I would say too, like I, I heard this advice when I was younger 
in trying to get into the game too. like be prepared to like not make a lot of money for a good probably four to five years if that's something that you really want to do. Um, just because, you know, a lot of really good coaches have been a volunteer or have been a graduate assistant or back in the day were second assistants when second assistants were getting paid $20,000 a year, you know? And so I would say that like, put yourself out there, reach out to as many people as you can do a good job. So people want to vouch for you and just find a way to add value for people, like do a project, Watch watch the NHL, watch an NHL team, see what they do really well, do a project. And then that way, when you are cold calling people or emailing people, say, hey, I've studied X, Y, or Z. This is why X, Y, or Z happens. Make them think, give them ideas that they can use with their team. So long-winded answer to the question, but put yourself out there and add value to the people that you're putting yourself out there for. Those would be my advice. I absolutely love that. Um, so to not go over anything he already said, the the thing I guess maybe I would add to that would be um, think outside the box. Like there's so many ways to work in so many different fields. So, okay. Like, and Toph and I, we've talked about this on a podcast in the last month, I want to say or something like, uh, okay, we didn't make, we want to play in the NHL. All right. That's how you make a living in the hockey. Uh, When you're young, that's probably the only way you think maybe playing and coaching. All right. So, we didn't make the NHL, so we didn't make a living off that. Uh, Toph immediately after his pro career got into coaching. He um, did a, uh, what's it called? Uh, grad assistant. Grad assistant yeah. um, at Miami, Ohio, which then led to a coaching job. Okay, so if you don't get a coaching job right away, what are other ways you can make money in hockey? H- hockey shop, owner, worker, working at a rank, uh, uh, working for a local youth organization, proving your merit there and rising up the ranks to, from, you know, maybe coach or, or board member advisor, you know, whatever skills coach. There's so many different ways. What I would say is think outside the box, think what you're good at, what you like doing revolving hockey. And then how can I make that a job? And then from there, start networking, like Tove said, and, and you should be networking the whole time. And the other thing is like, guys, social media is free. Free. If you have stuff, like look what Jeff is doing on Instagram to grow his following and be the best at what he can do and and affect more people. I mean, and you even look at like, you know, the Belfries of the world, Adam Nicholas, Brian Kane, guys that we've had on the podcast in the hockey development world who have used social media. Look at what they did like seven years ago and how like bad as far as quality is concerned. You know, it's like a video camera in a little coach's room or, you know, video feed of some NHL stuff with their voiceover that you can barely hear. You know, like content is gold and it's king and it doesn't have to be perfect. Like get your thoughts out there, you know, show video clips, show yourself doing stuff, you know, show yourself at a whiteboard. I mean, that's a way that you can kind of market yourself um, as well and kind of get your name out there. There's people who have gotten jobs in hockey, particularly in the analytics world for blogs, you know, blogs that they started. And so just find a way to get information that you have out there. And, uh, and social media is a phenomenal way to do that. Just another avenue. Free advertising, like Toph said, free marketing for yourself. What can you do? How can you impact people? Yeah. And I will say with that, I, I want to caveat that. Sorry to cut you off right there, but this is like a pet peeve of mine. Like when you do that stuff, don't do it to sound smart. Do it to be genuine and actually try to add value. I think the people on social media who th- frankly annoy me <laughs> and I and, and I don't think grow their following as much as maybe they they could are the ones that like it's almost like their intent is to make people think that they're smart rather than like actually provide information that they can retain and they can use in their own hockey sphere, you know? So like, keep it simple, keep it genuine. Um, I think that goes a long way than like people who like just want other people to think that they're experts. I Totally agree. And that is also a huge pet peeve of mine. Yeah, I think provide value to provide value. And and when you do that, people start to trust you, especially if you are providing value. And the more value you provide, the more they trust you. And that grows your brand, which will get you noticed by by 
people who need the value that you're putting out. So totes. Just keep doing it. Totes. All right. Uh, is it your turn or my turn? Go ahead. Uh, it looks like you're. Yeah. Um, how do you properly balance the relationship between emotion and discipline? Ooh, ooh, that's deep. Deep. I feel like I need <laughs> I need a few minutes to think about that. That's a good one. Um, I I think that's actually a very good question because I think emotion can be a positive or a negative when it comes to being disciplined. And we actually talked about discipline a lot on our last episode with just you and I. So if you want more on discipline, go to that one. But what comes to my head right away after just hearing that question, I am an emotional person. I'm a hundred percent an emotional person. And I know that when I'm emotionally inspired, then my discipline is way better. When I'm emotionally stressed, my discipline is not as good. And I'll explain what that means. Like when I'm in a positive frame of mind and I'm framing things in a much more positive way, I feel a lot more inspired and I feel a lot more um, just like structured with what I do. When I am more in the headspace of kind of like negativity and impossibilities rather than possibilities and problems rather than solutions, I almost feel like I get overwhelmed. And when you get overwhelmed, sometimes being disciplined can feel overwhelming, <laughs> if that makes any sense. And so I think you can use your emotions to your advantage as long as your self-talk and kind of the story that you're telling yourself is really positive. And so I don't, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that can relate to that. Um, and I think you can use your emotions um, in a positive way. Now, um, I know there's a lot of research that has gone on into how emotions can either help or hurt you in a lot of different ways. And I would love to actually be a little bit more educated on that. That's just my, just getting this question answer. What do you think? So it's such a good question. Isn't it's it? So it's such a good question. Um, it's my buddy I see at the gym all the time. Um, how do you balance properly? I mean, I don't, I don't know if there is a properly. Um, I think there's every, everybody will, everybody will probably do it a little bit differently. I, because I think that some people are like more logical in the way that they like approach life. And I think more, some people approach life like more emotional. Um, so like, I think a balance between logic and emotion is, is really important. And then you're the one you always say the Craig Ballantyne discipline equals freedom. Yeah. Um, so, and I think it can actually go the opposite way where the more disciplined you are, like the better emotional state <laughs> you, you can be in. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're saying the more disciplined you are, the more, the better emotionally you feel is that what you're saying yeah i I mean i would totally agree and obviously not not everybody has a brain that like needs structure and organization to work its best uh i find mine does i find a lot of people's do but that's not everybody but so like if you can if you can start to be really disciplined with your daily structure and things like that like tove said i think that your your emotions are a lot less intense and like sharp um which allows you to be even more disciplined. And then it's like a positive feedback loop kind of. Yeah, for sure. And I think outcomes are probably going to be better if you're more organized. Yeah. Yeah. And I think another thing I'd I'd say is, and this is something that Em and I talk about for those of you that don't know Em, that is my beautiful wife. Um, And we talk about emotions and, and she's read a lot up on it and stuff. And like, don't be afraid to like be emotional and don't be afraid to feel your emotions. I think that a lot of times when we have emotions, we can tend to hold it in, you know, like hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, hold it in, which can create stress, fear, anxiety, all that different kind of stuff. And what she's been reading and what I've been kind of reading and stuff is like, it's very healthy to feel it. 
whatever the emotion that's going through you, positive, negative, like let it go, like let it go through you, feel that freaking thing, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, let it pass through you. And uh, I think the worst thing that you could do is kind of like just hold it right in the pit of your stomach and just let it fester. You know what I mean? And so um, just let it, let it through you, man. Feel your emotions. Nothing wrong with that. And if you need to scream at a pillow <laughs> or uh, you need to have a good cry or you need to have a good positive yell or a big hug, whatever, like let it just let it happen, man. There's nothing wrong with feeling and showing emotion. It, it, it helps you physically. It helps you emotionally, nervously, or like central nervous system type stuff. Like feel it, feel it, feel it. And, and the last thing I'll add to that, no matter what the emotion is, like the outcome you always want to have is like getting better. And if you know that, just remember that when you are feeling emotion. So if you can use any kind of negative emotion you're feeling and channel that into something that could be a positive, I think that that's, that's you know, a lot of people channel their, their negative emotions into drugs or alcohol or things that are bad for them, overeating, whatever it may be, some type of vice. If you can channel it into something that you get out your, your emotions and things like that that you need to in a more positive way, going to therapy, working out, boxing shooting in the garage, whatever it may be. I think that that's something that, you know, is an important thing to kind of practice as well. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, okay. That's a great question. I, I actually want to like revisit that on, a, on like an episode after this, maybe on an intro after doing a little bit of research, because that's, that was a really good question. Uh, okay. Next question is how do you, this is good. How do you manage dads who feel they know more than the coach, especially as a female? Well, I mean, since I'm not a female, I don't know how I can uh, answer this question. Okay, so uh, how do you manage dads who feel they know more than you as the coach? Well, that's tough because like, if it got to a certain point, 99% of dads that I'm coaching, I played at a way higher level. So I, do, I wouldn't want to pull that out, but I would always have that card in my back pocket. <laughs> oh, what level did you play at? I don't, I wouldn't, I really would try not to say that, but if I'm being honest, that, that card is always in my pocket. Um, man, I would, I would do what, what you said, uh, your, your coach did, um, Stan, that you said a couple times over the course of this podcast, I'll, I'll let you tell that story. If you, you made the story right when now. he let the guy go on the ice. Yes. And just made a fool yeah. of himself. So very funny story. I have told it before, but definitely time for it again. And so everybody, um, who listens or has listened for a while knows that I have had, or I had a Russian coach growing up who did things very differently. And he was one of the best coaches I ever had. He was amazing. I owe a lot of my success in hockey to him. And the first year that I coached with him, um, everything was very new and different and looked weird. You know, it was very atypical of what we in North America had typically had for practices and, and things like that. And so uh, there was a dad that was, you know, gossiping around the, uh, the, the parent group that he knew better and what this Russian coach was doing didn't make any sense and yada, yada, yada. And so it got to our coach, his name is Stan. If you haven't listened to that podcast episode, that is one of our most downloaded that we've ever done. Uh, the Stanimal, Stan Stiopkin. And, <laughs> and so what Stan did is he said, okay, you think you know better than me? Here's the whistle. You go run practice. <laughs> and so the guy comes out and like, you know, the Canadian tuxedo, he had the denim jeans on and the denim... Uh, denim jean jacket as well. I still remember it. And like he ran the practice and it was an absolute joke. And it was one of the funniest things ever. And and I think he lost a lot of respect from the parent group after that. <laughs> and so it's like, yeah, maybe Stan knows what he's doing, but just hilarious. Le legendary. So, I mean, a female coach, you know, whoever asks this, if that parent, if you think that they don't have, you know, a whole lot of knowledge, like that might be something just go, oh, okay, you know what? Next Wednesday, I'm going to have you write up a practice plan. I'm going to have you, well, I don't even say that because then you're putting them like you're giving them ideas to prepare. You probably don't even know you prepare. So maybe be like, okay, next Wednesday, you're going to coach or tomorrow, you're going to coach practice tomorrow. I'm going to give you the whistle. I'll move pucks for you. You coach a practice. And then I don't know, see what happens. I don't even know if you can do that anymore with, with safe. Yeah, they have to be certified, certified <laughs> and, you know, oversight and the government and, you know, whatever. So. <laughs> 
Oh, All right. man. Yeah, I think like you, as a coach, you have to be confident in your convictions of what you're doing. And with some parents, you might have to explain a little bit more what you're like, you have to be prepared with what you have with your plan as well, you know? And I'm sure there's a parent on every team that thinks they know more than the coach. Um, you know what the one thing that I would do is I would say, listen, the worst thing that can happen for our team is if you are gossiping around the rest of the parent group and saying that I don't know what I'm doing and I know better than than you. Like, if you have an issue, come talk to me. And who knows? You might even learn something from the person. Who, who knows? But I think I would really encourage the communication to be between you and that parent and at first and then kind of go from there because you know how it goes with a parent group. There's usually a parent in there that, MFs the coach and says they know better. And like, it's just, it's just toxic. It's just absolutely toxic. And all the parents that are in their car listening to this with their kids right now, you, there is a person in your head that you are thinking of right now. And maybe it is even you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would just try to, you know, it's, it's a delicate situation because you don't want that thing to fester. Um, and so every situation is different too. Like there might be a parent who's just an asshole, but there might be a parent that actually means well and just wants to help. Um, now I would say as a female, if you're a female and this is going on, you stand up to that person and you say, listen, how <laughs> it doesn't matter what gender you are. Like I'm qualified with what I do. And you know, the, the enough is enough. Like I don't need, and then same thing. I don't need you going around the parent group and undermining me and things like that. Like I know what I'm doing. Here's what I'm doing. Here's my plan. Let's go. Love it. I'm the coach. You're not. End of story. You sit down, <laughs> Bubba. Um, how to get out of a point slump? How to get out of a point slump? Yep. Okay. How to get out of a point slump. Uh, again, go back to what Jeff always says, your why. Understand your identity as a player and then get to work. Like literally just get to work. And if you want to score more goals and you need to shoot more pucks in practice, you know, work on your shot, get confident in your shot. Um, you know, work on your battles in the corner, work on your cutbacks, work on the things that make you, you and get back to, you know, like just your identity and your ness as Jeff likes to, to tell it. I think that's the most important thing. And confidence is earned. Confidence comes from putting in the work and putting in the effort. And people who work harder tend to get luckier. And, you know, sometimes getting out of a slump, it's just going to the net and a puck goes in off your foot. But it's the same goal as if you sniped it. And it's the same feeling of, oh my God, I got the monkey off my back. You know, so get back to the fundamentals, get to work, understand your identity as a player and go be the best version of that. I absolutely Process over it. results, man. Process over results. Process over results. That's massively important. I would say almost every time I went, you know, on a couple games skid, usually it wasn't more than like a shift where I didn't score a goal, you know, but every now and then I'd go a shift or two without scoring. So, um, no, uh, anytime I want to skip for a couple games. Yeah. You, when you start to think about the result too much, you stop focusing on the process and the process is what gets you results. Uh, I got off a call earlier with one of my, one of my null, uh, NHL clients, junior clients and going over it. And this is what I, this is what I say to everybody who's says, ask this exact question. Cause we'll all go through it at some point. I say that usually you're playing your best when you're confident. Okay. So then I ask, how do you build confidence? How do you, how do you go into a game confident? And they all say, I don't know. That's why I'm calling you. Uh, and so I say, all right. So I think confidence comes from being, ha having perfect preparation or like the best preparation you can. So then the breakdown preparation or how you can go into a game feeling better and not going in unconfident when you're unconfident you're not going to make good plays um so i look at sleep are you sleeping well because if you can sleep better that's one one big point where you can get a lot better feel a lot better perform a lot better so look at your sleep look at your recovery and as in hydration and nutrition are you uh sweating a lot and only drinking water get some salt in your diet because you got to have that um for all different functions um 
could you work out harder off the ice? Could you, you know, lift more? Could you get in the gym more? Whatever it is like, that's going to build confidence because work builds confidence. All right. So there's another one. Are you watching enough video? And then to break down video, watch your last couple games and write down a list things I did really well, write those down, watch those plays over and over and over and over and over and over. All right. Watch those plays over and over. What did you not do well? And that list say things I can work on in practice, things I need to work on in practice. Then take that list to practice, put it on your phone. Nobody will know it's on your phone. You don't got to be worried about seeing it. And you can read it right before you go out on the ice and a couple times. And then in practice, wherever you can insert those things that you need to work on, you need to be better on in practice, really focus on those details. Real, like if you're not getting your shots through and you're a D man, you're not getting them through. Well, whenever there's a drill where you're shooting from the point, even if there's nobody in front of you, pretend there is pump fake move, like sprint across the blue, whatever it is you got to work on that you saw in the video, really dial those in. And then after practice, work on those things again, whatever is on that list, do it every day. That will build confidence. Confidence means you play better. You play better. Usually you're going to break your points, your, your, your point slump. So, um, and then like Tove said, go back to doing what, you know, also like really well process and what you were doing when you're at your best. Yep. Identity and process, identity and process, identity and process for sure. Um, okay. Another question. What is the best way to create buy-in on a team? Go. From a coach, I'm guessing. Yes. Uh, like buy-in, I'm assuming like from your players, from buy-in your players. from your players. Yeah. Uh, prove to them you care. And how can you do that? Um, being on time, having good practice plan, um, actually coaching them, not just letting them do things to do things. Tell them why you coach. What? Why do I coach? This is why I coach, guys. And like, be honest with them. Whatever your reason for being there and coaching, tell them. Because when they believe you, when they believe that that they should trust you and that you have their best interest at heart and you're there to help them, that's when buy-in occurs, in my opinion. I love that. I think that's really important for sure. And I, I also think it's really important for a coach to be um, in lockstep with your leadership group. And so buy-in doesn't just come from the coach and what they do, but it's also the buy-in that you know the leaders have from the coach and then it goes from there. So I would say really, really, really invest in your relationships, especially with your leaders, because they're the ones that are really the stewards of the culture and the buy-in as well. Love it. Dig it. All right. Um, where'd that one just go? Is there any politics involved in pro hockey? Some ECHL guys should be in the AHL or AHL, NHL, et cetera. In terms of like players? Uh, yes. I mean, I wouldn't necessarily call it politics, but there are <laughs> situations out of a player's control other than their play of why they are or aren't at a higher level. I mean, you look at salaries, you look at if you were drafted um, and and things like that. There's there's no question. Um, you know, I, there is politics and upper management in professional teams and people that are trying to climb the ladder. Um, I would say that that's probably not a good way of going about your business by doing that. <laughs> and I think most people get to where they get to by proving their worth or having played at a high level and having an experience in some kind of, uh, you know, um, a role where you can provide guidance to players like a lot of like the best management groups in the NHL are pretty diverse um, in how they structure their leadership teams, you know, a little bit of experience, a little bit of, you know, new and fresh analytics stuff. Um, like it, it's, it's different for every team, how they do that. Um, but there is some politics in terms of like people trying to climb ladders of different organizations. That's for sure. Uh, but for, for players, like, yeah, I don't really, and you would know this too, from having played at all those levels, like, um, it's not politics. It's just, there's situations that suck. Like you are, if you're on a one-way contract in the coast, you're probably not going to get the benefit of a doubt of a person who's on a two-way contract in the AHL and the coast, even if you're playing better than that person. Same thing goes for NHL, AHL. Um, and so you just have to focus on the things that you can control and be the best version of you. And if you are on that one-way contract, you just got to be that much better. 
and you got to prove your worth for your next contract. So then the next contract, you get a two-way contract. And then all of a sudden you are that person who gets the benefit <laughs> of, uh, of the doubt. So, um, yeah, I don't think politics is really the way to talk about it, but, um, you know what I mean? I, you've been there. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you nailed, nailed it on the head. Yeah. Contracts matter. If, if an NHL team's got a guy in the coast, a first-year guy who's on a three-year deal, like they've invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into that guy by signing him. And so when the AHL team needs a guy, even if he's not playing the best, he probably will go up in most organizations because they've already invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in him and he's got two more years. So they're looking for him to grow and mature and get better. Whereas if you're on a coast deal, even if you're ripping it up, like they haven't invested hundreds of thousands of dollars in you. So it's, it's, you know, contracts matter. And, uh, I will caveat that with, don't use that as a crutch. Don't let that be an excuse. Don't ever say those words. If you're not a guy who's on the better end of that stick, find a way because there's there's no other pro sports aren't fair just like life isn't fair you if, if it's something you want to do you got to find a way and and i know this is something you want to do so no fucking excuses go after it man um i know who wrote that uh if you're working out at 6 a.m is it beneficial to eat before or focus on having a good dinner i mean i'll take that yes you should always have a good dinner and uh the all those studies and and uh anecdotal evidence of doing fasted cardio in the morning, all of the scientific studies say it does not do anything different. However, I personally, even though I know I should eat before I work out, if I work out really early, um, I will work out fasted and I like the way it feels, even though I know that it doesn't make a difference. And it's probably better for me to eat before because or have a shake or smoothie or something, because uh, then I can get more calories and protein in across my meals throughout the day, which is the number one thing all people, especially in the U S should focus on. It would instantly make everyone healthier is eating more protein. Um, So yeah, that's the answer. Okay. I will leave that one to you. Go ahead. (laughs) Next question with the Borafil. All right. This is a good one from a great kid too. getting traded or cut multiple times, moving from billet house to house, all season long. Any advice? Oh man, go back to your why, dude. Go back to your why. Understand that you're playing a game. It's a game that you love. And at times like that, like I'll tell you, like for me, um, I've been there. So scored a hundred points in college. Um, didn't even get a sniff in the AHL. Um, not even offered a contract. Um, so signed in the coast. And then the next year, uh, finished off my senior year in the coast next year, signed with that same team, one way coast contract, kind of like we were just talking about, uh, and then got cut in training camp. And so I went to the CHL played about two months and for one team and then got traded. (laughs) So I went in a span of like five months, I went from like, you know, captain hundred point guy at Cornell to getting cut from the coast and then traded in the central hockey league. And I, at one point was just like, I'm going to have fun playing hockey again because I wasn't having fun playing hockey because I was worried about things out of my control. And I said, Hey, like I got to get back to my roots here. And once I did that, I obviously started playing a lot better and, um, I was just enjoying life a little bit more. And so I would say in those times when things aren't going well like that, get back to your why. Remember yourself on the on the rink or in your basement at five, six years old doing what you love to do. And you can snap out of it pretty quick. I love that. I think that's something we didn't talk about um, with the last question that was how to get out of a point slump. I think another part of like being process driven and breaking down where can I where have I been slacking off in the different areas of me um with my, with my, uh, planning and, and all, my preparedness. Um, the other part is like remembering that hockey is fun. A lot of times when you're in a slump or a lot of times when you're going through a situation, like we're talking about here where you've been traded or cut and you gotta, you gotta move and switch houses and go to new teams. Another thing you got to remember, because, uh, you know, I know you're playing juniors, the, the, the guy who wrote this, um, juniors ends at 21, you know, when you're 21, you're done. You can't play it anymore. 
if you don't get to college hockey or you don't go to pro hockey after like real hockey is done forever. So you also got to remember, like, enjoy these times too. like learn, learn to learn to, you know, not laugh it off, but like go to the rink and have fun. Like you're probably so stressed and, and everything's like, you know, keeping your butt tight, like relax. All right. Take a couple deep breaths, make practice fun. If you score Sally, you know, like, like, just find a way to make it fun again on top of being prepared going into practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey guys, I want to introduce you to a new company called Nord VPN that allows you to watch things from all over the world and also has an unbelievable security feature for you too. If you're bored of US Netflix, why not take it for a spin in the UK? Using Nord VPN and a click of a button, you can do just that. There's no need to travel to Japan for your favorite anime when NordVPN can also bring it right to you. With over 5,000 plus server options, no show is out of your reach. Using our show's link at nordvpn.com slash think tank, you can receive a huge discount on a two-year plan plus one free month. NordVPN also has unbelievable security features that can help protect you, and they've doubled down on keeping you safe with their new threat protection feature. Say goodbye to intrusive website ads and malware. Even if you download an infected file, threat protection kicks in and deletes it before it makes a mess of your computer. Don't forget, there is literally no risk to you with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Give it a try, and if you like, great. If not, they'll issue you a refund and you can pretend the entire situation never happened. Check out my link again at nordvpn.com thinktank to get your subscription started today. Again, that's nordvpn.com slash think tank. Uh, best advice for junior players in season through a busy period of a lot of games in a short time. Recovery is very important. Right, Jeffrey? Recovery is a weapon. <laughs> rest and recovery. Was it rest is weapon, recovery is weapon? Yeah, rest is a weapon. Mike Raja. <laughs> and then I think it's like, honestly, just take care of yourself. Take care of yourself, get sleep, drink a lot of water, eat the right foods, um, you know, stretch, do mobility exercises to for injury prevention type stuff. Um, I, I just think that stuff is is so massively important. And then just make sure just like take some time to get away in, in those little times, hours, days, whatever, where you have a lot of stuff going on. Take some time to get away some do to do some other things to rebalance yourself and recenter yourself. But especially from a physical standpoint, make sure you're taking care of your body. And with that, you'll take care of your mind as well. Yeah. Totally. That hundred percent getting away will allow you if you're playing a bunch of games in a short amount of time, like, like 10 games in two weeks or 10 games in 20 days, you're, you're on a lot. Meaning that, you know, especially if your coach is one of those coaches who makes you pregame skate, which I hate, um, teach your own though. Uh, then you gotta be on for practice and you gotta be on for games. So you're on a lot in a short amount of time. And by on, I mean, in uh, fight or flight, um, so you got to get out of that. And a good way to get out of that is when you're out of the rink, don't think about hockey until you get back to the rink because you're doing it so much. When you get to the rink, you're dialed in, you're focused. All right. Um, it's going to increase your heart rate. It's going to do all these things. It's going to be harder to recover. So when you're away from the rink and you don't need to be thinking about hockey, do something with the boys, go over to the movies, go to mini golf, find some, take naps, like you know, whatever you got to do to, to get away from hockey and get it out of your head so that you can actually truly rest and begin to rebuild and recover. That will help you big time. Yeah, totally. And that's not just a junior hockey question. That's actually probably should be geared towards youth hockey because you play so many freaking games on, uh, on weekends, you know, dude, dude there's kids in St. Louis all the time telling me that they're playing 60, 70, 80, 90 games and they're like 12 and and 13. And and I, I want to flip tables, man. It's I think it's child abuse. <laughs> I think it's literally child abuse. Like people are literally just idiots. And it <laughs> it yeah, oh man. I was talking about this today in my gym. We I got to go into it real quick, all right? Like okay, Nobody cares if you have the best 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 year old. Yes, it is really cool to be good at that age. But if you, those people who are like 
in that and their parents are like crazy about it and pushing their kids to go to the rink or letting their kids skate seven days a week year round. All right. You're a parent. You wouldn't let a kid eat pixie sticks every night for dinner. Okay. So like same thing, you got to look out for their health. Listen to the professionals here. Listen to people, listen to the doctors who are doing all the hip surgeries on younger and younger athletes because they go into um, sports specialization too early, right? There's a reason your kids have to get off the ice, especially if they're goalies. They really got to get off the ice, okay? It's not a natural movement. It's too much work on the on the abductors um, and, and the hip and all these things, right? So you have to get your kids off the ice. If you really care about them and you really do want them to have a chance at 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, whatever it is, you're actually helping them by not letting them freaking blow their joints out by skating seven days a week year-round all growing up. All right. You're actually helping them in the long run. They will be better. It doesn't matter how good they are at 11 or 12. So, and I like, please hear that. Please hear that. Don't let your kids skate seven days a week for, for, uh, for year round all the time. Yes. The fight. Yes. The I fight is a good one. <laughs> all right. What do you think? One more question each. Yeah. Or do you got a few more? What do you think? Yeah, I, I got a couple more. We, like, go ahead. Why don't you go ahead? Uh, I got one more. So why don't you go ahead and I'll do mine later. College guy that has three to four weeks of no games. What should my training look like? Focus intensity. I'm sure right. that means on ice and off ice. Go ahead, brother. Um, I mean, I'd hit the gas. Me. That's me. Like I'd, as long as you're feeling good going into that three to four week break, I'd hit the gas. I would stay on the ice personally. Um, you know, maybe take a week off, but then, you know, week two, three, four, you're on, you're on the ice, you know, three days, four days, five days, maybe. Um, and, and I would hit the gas. Everybody else is going to take off. If you want to be better when everybody comes back and have a bigger opportunity, bigger role in the team from a personal standpoint, um, now is the time to gain an edge and also make sure you're recovering really well. Don't go out boozing all the time. Don't be an idiot. Um, alcohol is so bad for you, especially as an athlete. Um, and, uh, ramp it up, you know, look at it like, uh, like the side of a pyramid start on day one. If it's 28 days, that's four weeks, kind of build backwards what your intensity should be looking like and getting back into practice on day 28 and then build from day zero to day 28 so that you feel great going into day 29, your first day back. Yes. I like that. I also would say that for most college guys, you're having a lot of weeks off because, uh, of finals. And so I would say a way to kind of look at that is you're obviously going to be studying a little bit more and you're going to be more academically inclined <laughs> at this time of year and use hockey as an escape, like from a mindset standpoint, school is very important. You want to do well in school and you can, and, and I think you could do this all the time. Um, but use like hockey is what you love to do and you can use it as an escape from real life, especially at finals times when things get a little bit crazier. So if you have a mindset of like, I'm going to have fun with this, this is what I love to do. Um, it can be a real nice quote unquote break from the other stuff in your life that you're dealing with because finals time is tough. Like it's really, really tough. You're studying, you have you know, some classes don't have finals, but you have these big projects that you have to get done that take up a lot of time and you might be up late and things like that. Um, so really focus on making hockey like the bright part of your day and focus on it as like an escape from reality almost, if that makes any sense. I love that. And that first week, especially if it's four weeks, you can have a lot of fun on the ice. Yeah. It doesn't mean you don't work hard, like get in your work and then have some fun, play some shinny, you know, or whatever Tell it is. Us. Um, I got let me just ask a couple more uh, favorite cheat meal to get that juicy pump the next day. Tove. favorite cheat meal. Yeah. Like people uh, will like carb load the night before if they want to get a juicy pump the next day. Oh, so it's like, Do you not know what like, a juicy pump is. No, I don't know what a juicy <laughs> pump is. <laughs> He's like a JP. What's a JP? What's a JP? Um, uh, honestly, like I don't have one of those, Ben. Uh, I don't have something where I'm like, Oh, Cause I'm not a bodybuilder and I know you're not a meathead either. Uh, totally. So I don't know, but I, I'll just say if I'm going to cheat, dude, crumble cookies or hot box cookies, look out. So good. I'm a cookie. I have to go with anybody from Chicago knows this, but Portillo's, if there's a cheat uh, meal, it's Portillo's for me. Yeah. Blow out that hoop. All right. One more <laughs> here. Uh, where was it? I don't really understand what, what he's saying here. Doily. Uh, talk about coaches adjusting to the group tier one hockey and guys don't want to be elite at all. 
Um, okay, there's a couple different ways we can go with this, so we'll give it a shot. Um, I think coaches adjusting to the group is a really good question because I think really good coaches stand true with principles that they think are really important to player development and the development of the team, but they also are not stubborn enough where they solicit, um, you know, ideas, um, and things like that advice from the players in the locker room as well. So like they, they do a really good balance of like, Hey, these are the things that I'm firm on. These are the values that I don't waver from. And these are the things that I'm going to ask the team to build a buy-in for us because we talked about buy-in a little bit earlier. Like a great way to build buy-in is to have a lot of the information coming from the players that you do. You know what I mean? And so they have a great balance of the two. It's these are the things that I'm not going to budge on. Here are the things that I want you guys, I want you to be empowered to come to me and say, hey, I want to do X, Y, or Z as it relates to the team. So firm with the things that are really important to you, um, but adjusting to the group, kind of like the question um, in terms of like giving them autonomy and empowerment to lead the team in a direction that they want to go as well. I like that. I like that. I just found the other part of the question. It, it kind of cuts off, but I think it says, uh, how, I'm guessing he means like, how would you handle tier one hockey and all the kids, all the guys aren't bought in at being elite. Um, and it's holding the committed players and coaches back from pushing to be their best. So what do you, yeah. it sounds like a toxic culture. Like what would you do? In a no, you know what? I think this is a really, really relevant. Like now that we have a little bit more context to it, I think it's a really relevant question because I think on a lot of youth teams, um, you have a different commitment level from a lot of the players, right? Like you get to college, you get to juniors, you get the pro almost a hundred percent of the people are going to be committed to development, getting better, working hard, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That doesn't happen in youth hockey. In youth hockey, you got some kids who are more interested in social things. You got some kids who are just there because their parents want them to be there. You know, you have some kids who are just mild mannered and don't really care to work hard that much. They're just there to have fun. And then you have kids who like legitimately want to get better and want to put in a great effort every single day. I think at the 18U level, especially at like midget major and stuff, you know, you have some kids who it's going to be their last year of hockey and then they're going to go to college. And then you got some kids who are grinding it out to hopefully make a junior team for next year. So it's a, I actually think that's a really, really good question because I think that happens a lot in youth hockey. Steph, would you agree? I don't know, like based on your experience with your, your kids, like, um, and so I think you have to, um, you have to coach to the top if that makes any sense, like you have to push your top, like don't give your top players of like an easy pass because it's going to placate the, you know, the kids on the team that, that, that don't care as much. Like you really have to push your top players and continue to push your top players and treat everybody like they're a top player and push them. Um, now you have to dive a little bit deeper into the relationship side of it, especially for the kids who aren't really working that hard because there could be a various amount of reasons of why. You know, one could be like, I really don't love playing AAA. Like, I'm just doing this because my parent wants us to. Well, hey, like, that's great. But your best buddy really wants to play at a high level. And if you're not pushing to the best of your ability, you're not helping him get better. That could be a conversation that you can have. And then you have a conversation with the parent, like, hey, like, quit pushing your kid so much. Like, he just wants to have fun, you know? And so I think really having those individual conversations and finding out what motivates those players that might not be giving it as much um, as important. And then at the end of the day, like ice time is something that you can control as a coach. And if somebody's not working, then they, they don't earn the ice time to be able to play, you know? And so I, I think you reward the people that are working hard and giving it their all and, and you don't reward the people that, that aren't. And so um, long-winded answer to your question, but now that I understand it, like that's a very real thing in youth hockey and uh, hopefully that answer can help a little bit. Yeah. I love everything you said. If I was going to add anything, it also depends on the age, but it also kind of doesn't. Um, if you're a coach who's more apt to come down on the guys who aren't bought in, 
and that's not working, I would try the inverse and I would try only pumping the tires of the guys who are on time, who want to be there, who are the ones doing everything they can to get to the next level. Like without overdoing it, like only praise them and don't say anything negative to the kids who aren't doing anything, but just praise the kids who are working their ass off. They're giving their all, they're there on time. They want to be there. Um, usually like just from a psychology standpoint, like, especially if they're kids, they're going to, they're going to want that pat on the back too. And I've seen that year after year after year. And I've used that as a way to kind of like motivate others who aren't maybe doing what they should or kind of being little buttheads. Um, and, and so you you want a cookie? Well, do what he just did. He just, he's trying way harder than you. Of course he's getting a cookie and you're not, you know, like that type of thing. Um, I have two more questions, Tell, so I'll read one. You read one. I read one. Okay. Uh, qualities to look for in a youth hockey coach, like ten to fourteen. You. Um, they're prepared and they have a plan. I think that's really important. Uh, they have an ability to connect with the players. I think that's really important. And um, I, I honestly, like, I think just kind of simple, but like overall knowledge of the game. <laughs> you know, like understand kind of like what hockey development is. Um, and I, I think all of those things are that, I mean, if I was somebody who had a kid that was looking for a coach at that age, I think those would be the things that are, um, really important ability to connect, understand the game, and then just they're, they're put an effort into being intentional and prepared with what they do. I agree on all those. Maybe I'd add, uh, likes to make it fun for the kids, depending on the, I mean, I think it should always be fun, but that's also something kids need to bring. So if it's a lower level, like definitely should be focused probably more on fun, like house league, you know, B. Well, I think at any youth level, I'm going to totally agree with you. And I'm going to take it a step further. Like I, I judge a youth coach on if my, like if I'm a parent, if my kid can't wait to get to the rink and my kid doesn't want to leave, like that is the number one thing that I judge of any youth coach. Like if I'm, if I have a kid that like doesn't want to go to practice because he's not going to have fun, he or she, then like the coach is doing something wrong and they got to, they got to change some things up. Bingo. That's what I was getting at. There we go. Bingo was his name. Oh, B I N G O. <laughs> All right. Last question. You got it. Let's go. Uh, what is the best way to ensure you get in good slash enough food during the season when you're traveling? I'll let you answer first. Did you ever do focus on this stuff or no? In terms of like how old? Uh, I, I'm guessing. Oh, this is actually a ref. Uh, but I don't know if he's asking for his kid or not. So let's say like somebody who's able to pre-plan maybe 15 and above. Well, I, th I think that's relevant. And I think like you'd be a better person to answer this question because I was never food conscious growing up. Like it was just not something that we did. And I always know what you say and you say is prepare, like pre-plan everything. And that is a way that you can really get high quality foods. Like you would probably go as far as like charting out the restaurants near the rink and understanding where the Chipotle is or where you know, whatever different restaurants that can have good foods and stuff. And so I just think the more you're kind of planning it, the the better. Yeah, I'd say the yeah, uh, best way to ensure during the season. So like when traveling. Yeah. So when you when you know you have trips coming up, like put it on your calendar and the day before set an alarm on your phone that you got to go to the grocery store and get snacks, invest in some kind of cooler. Um, doesn't need to be big, but you can put some of those ice packs in. So then you can bring you know, and then on top of that, protein shakes, super easy, super cheap. Um, because a protein shake is anywhere from like 50 cents to maximum probably two dollars per serving. So, like people think, oh, I can't afford protein, but it's like, dude, where else are you gonna get 40 grams of protein for two dollars? You're not even getting that at McDonald's, okay? So, like it's you're not you're never gonna be able to get that for cheaper than a protein shake. So it's a it's also a very cost effective um, snack slash meal. So fruit, um, you know, you can throw some veggies in the cooler. You got a protein tub, put that, you know, protein tub in your bag, whatever it is, shaker. Um, and then, you know, if, if you're somebody who, um, 
is in hotels without kitchens. Like I, my mom always used to make PBJs for me on the road when I was a kid. And then we'd always bring oatmeal because almost every hotel has a coffee pot, or at least they have it downstairs or a teapot where all you need is the hot water. And then you got a good carb source. So, um, you know, hard boiled eggs, those are super easy to bring on the bus or the car, um, different fruits, you know, Greek yogurt, cottage cheese, uh, protein, and uh, protein tubs. Um, I'm not a big fan of bars personally, just because they have like even more ingredients. Um, so I'd rather stick with a bar, uh, a shake versus a bar. And then, uh, yeah, the biggest one is just planning it, making sure you go the night before, so you're not in a rush, and then you skip it, and now you're driving all day long without any nutrients. I love it. That's why I wanted you to answer that question rather than me, because you are the nutrition god. Thank you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> all right well this is fun i love doing these mailbag episodes there's such a wide variety of questions yeah and that uh one. that, was, that yeah. was a lot of questions we had tonight too that was awesome we got through quite a bit so thank you guys so much for uh submitting those questions and we hope you guys have a phenomenal fantastic week ahead and uh thank you thank you thank you for all of your support and uh go eat some good nutrients oh yeah <laughs>